Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? It's rumor season, Will. Things are going great. Draft in three days. Let's go. He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM, and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana basketball hall of famer, and the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, absolute pleasure to have you on today. Uh, great to be back with you guys, and I uh, can't wait to get into all the rumors. Rumors are exactly what we're going to be peddling in today. So, uh, as Tony mentioned, it's now almost exactly 72 hours at time of recording till the NBA draft, and the Kings are all over the rumor mills in terms of uh, what they're going to be doing come draft night. Just today, we've heard some interesting reports. I'll kind of run through them right now just so we have a baseline of what we're talking about here. Um, uh, first, we'll start with Jaden Ivey, only because he's the presumptive number four pick at this point. Uh, Sham Shanaria of The Athletic reported this morning that the Kings were leaning towards keeping the fourth overall pick, viewing Thursday's affair as a four-player draft. Uh, meanwhile, a couple hours later, Ivy spoke to the media and uh, mentioned he hadn't been in contact with the Kings, hasn't worked out for them, and uh, he admitted uh, that the Sacramento is probably not the perfect fit. He, and I'm quoting here, that that this wouldn't be the worst option. That Sacramento wouldn't be the worst option for a uh, thanks, Jaden for for Jaden Ivy. Yeah, <laughs> high praise from Jaden. Uh, Keegan Murray, on the other hand, has been in uh, contact with the Kings. Uh, Chris Haynes from uh, Yahoo even reported that the Kings are so high on Murray that they set up a dinner with him uh, and King stars De'Aaron Fox and uh, Domas Savonis. So there's something blowing in the wind, guys, and I'm trying to suss out whether it's tea leaves or smoke. So Jerry, Tony, before we get to anything else. What do you guys make of this stuff that the rumor mill is churning out right before the draft? And how much stock do you put in it? Well, you can never put too much stock in it. I mean, I don't think anything gets out there that uh, teams don't want out there. And uh, from the Kings' perspective, uh, the fact that Ivy hasn't been in, I do think uh, means something. Uh, doesn't mean they won't, wouldn't take him under any circumstances, but it, I think they're... Uh, for whatever reasons, uh, probably didn't don't feel like he'll be there, or they may be feeling, quite honestly, I think like they might even be really pursuing ideas of moving down a spot or something and, and trying to get something to get the guy that they maybe feel more comfortable drafting anyway, which sounds like it's Keegan Murray. Yeah, I have kind of two thoughts on on Ivy and Murray and what's been going on the last twenty four hours. It really seemed like all these rumors kind of came in at the same time. The Ivy thing is interesting to me because he did work out with Detroit. So you can't play that card where, oh, he's not working out with anyone outside the top three or the top four because, you know, in that same cluster of rumors, it came out that he did meet and I think even worked out with the Pistons who are picking below the Kings, which is kind of interesting. And then on the Keegan Murray front, uh, we've seen, you know, teams go out to dinner with potential draft prospects all the time. And maybe Jerry can speak to how often it is set up that the star players will then go out and have dinner with the top prospect. I kind of think those are two different things. I know when this uh, Murray uh, rumor came out that, well, not even a rumor, I think it was pretty much confirmed that he had dinner or some sort of a meeting with Fox and Sabonis. Uh, people were quick to shout out that, you know, Oh, the Kings had dinner with Luca and they didn't draft him or they, or they had dinner with Jared Butler last year. They didn't draft him. I think it is different when you send your players to go have that 
dinner meeting than just executives because that's what the executives do. I mean, anytime a draft prospect comes into town, it's pretty common that the general manager or whoever will go to dinner with that guy. I do think it's like a, another layer of, of commitment, if you want to call it that, to then say, oh, no, now Fox and Sabonis, you also go out with this guy and see how he mixes with you chemistry-wise. So I don't know, Jerry, is it is it that much of a leap to what I'm saying there? Is it different when, a, when players go out than just the executives? I think uh, you're onto something. I really think it's rare. Yeah. Very rare. And to have both of those guys do it, I, I think it really does speak to me, at least, that the Kings really uh, like this guy. You know, that, uh, that, that, that you know, it's a, going to an awful lot of trouble to, uh, to send a fake smoke screen, right. uh, you know, which is what you'd have to, the other side of it, you'd have to believe. And I just don't believe that. No, I, I think they, they basically, if this is probably the guy they, they were most likely to take at this stage for, for wherever they're going to pick, whether it's four or five or, or six, you know, whatever. Uh, so anyway, yeah, very, very interesting. I'm curious, Jerry, on the other side of this, uh, last year, Davion Mitchell uh, mentioned that he didn't know the Kings had any interest in him at all, right up until the point where they picked him. And where, to me, it almost feels like the Kings seem to neglect their pick right before they make that pick. It, you know, Davion Mitchell being one of those, Tyrese kind of kind of spun the whole like, oh, well, we really, we really tried to manufacture a move to the Sacramento Kings, even though that kind of sounds like it was probably a bit of bull it sounds like the Kings kind of don't, they didn't have a workout with Tyrese and maybe that's because he was, you know, more projected to go a little bit higher than what the Kings are going to pick. But is there, is there any, is there any side of you as, as a former GM that would see this as a big smoke screen that would go, okay, it's almost too obvious that they're going to pick Keegan Murray. And so they're playing games to, to uh, get Detroit to pay up or, or uh, somebody like Oklahoma or somebody else like that, 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 uh, that might want to move into that range for him. I think it, I, I really do think it would be strange to go to that much trouble for a smoke screen. I mean, and really to put your uh, key players on the clock, so to speak, that way as well. I mean, I think they, they would be offended if they were kind of being used erroneously. And I don't think that'd be the smartest move a franchise could make. So I, I really think there's something to it. Uh, I'll just put it, put it that way. Now, the fact, you know, with Tyrese or Davion in the past, you're drafting lower. You don't know who's going to be there. Uh, those kind of things happen. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, that uh, Shaden Sharp hasn't come in for a workout to me says something, uh, you know, whether they've tried to get him in or he has chosen not to. I mean, for a guy that needs to work out uh, if, <laughs> if he wants to be drafted, I know he has in a couple of places. So, uh, so that's interesting, but yeah, I, Hey, I'll take it on face value. I think it's it's unusual. As Tony pointed out, I agree with. I don't know of any time where a team has went to that much trouble with their star guys to get them to do that. And, and the fact, taking a step further, that the fact that the star guys wanted to or were willing to sure. says something as well. Wow. So to get to Jaden Ivey for a second there, uh, I'm curious, Jerry, of your opinion on, uh, Tony mentioned this, but Ivey's only worked out for two teams. And that is the number one pick in Orlando and the number five pick in Detroit. Is there any, as a, as a GM, would you have been curious as to why he didn't try out? I know OKC, uh, the, the Thunder have been rumored to really, really like Jaden Ivey. He's been kind of a popular, like, oh, maybe they move down to pick Ivey and the Kings move up to two to pick somebody else. Is there any reason why a player who shouldn't be going number one and as far as the consensus goes 
would work out with just the number one team and then the number five team? I can't see any logic to any of it. Uh, I mean, you know, the thing that struck me is, or strikes me about the uh, draft stuff these days is the guys really don't work out much. I mean, they come in for meetings and to go out to dinner. I mean, they don't really work out. Uh, you know, it's even, you know, back 15, 20 years ago, top guys would come in and work out against other players for the most part. It'd be, you know, three or four guys, sometimes five or six. Uh, now the only time you see five or six guys working out, it's a bunch of suspects, you know, second rounders <laughs> or, or whatever. And uh, sure. so, so I don't know what to make of it. I, and I don't think make, you can make too much of it. Cause like I say, the, at the bottom, at the end of the day is these guys, uh, all they were going to do is come in and go out to eat with the front office or the coach <laughs> or look, walk around the arena or something, you know, I mean, and so it, it's so different. And, and like I say, that, extends you know to even the chicago pre-draft stuff i mean there's just so little goes on there is that uh i've always said that's one of the real differences that mistakes are made all the time in the draft but nowadays uh with you know kids coming out of high school playing one year of college and then doing nothing else you have almost just very little to go on uh, as opposed to you know uh, years ago where they played three years at least and I went to two couple of draft camps where they played five on five, three or four different games yeah. uh, in addition against other draft guys. Uh, so it's a, it's a new world. And so you're just, you're, you're just having to go on the information that you have, which is you watched them in AAUs and high school and college the one year. I'm curious your guys' opinion on this. Do you feel like there's any chance that Keegan Murray goes for? that the Kings draft Keegan Murray just straight up at, at the number four spot? Or do you feel like the, the most likely scenario for Murray is the Kings maximize their value, make a move down somewhere to, to get him where he wants to be? Well, I think he could go four. I mean, I've always said, I mean, I understand that, you know, with the current uh, kind of expert uh, opinions, you know, he's not in the top four. But so what? Uh, if you think he is, uh, then he is. You know, I mean, it, once a guy's drafted, that's his spot. Uh, so if the Kings really feel like he's the best player for him at four, and, you know, having said that, I, would, would they like to move down maybe and take him and get something else? I'm sure that's even better. But I'd have to say that if, if he's your guy, then that's a risk as well. So you... Because one thing about it, you really can't trust people in front of you or behind you. Uh, but, you know, that's a fact. Uh, people have been known to lie, Will. Uh, <laughs> and so, so yeah, I, I think they could draft him. I mean, it, who, you know, that's the whole point is, I mean, we don't talk about it enough. It's like, there's a good chance that, hey, Dyson Daniels may turn out to be the star of the draft. I don't know. You know, three years from now, people say, my God, how did he slip that low? You know, I mean, <laughs> the history proves us that that's happened only about 100 times. <laughs> Tony, what about you? If I, I mean, if I had to call it right now, and maybe I'm just falling for the bait, I would say they probably do just draft Keegan Murray at four because you trade down, things get risky. You don't want to, you always want to maximize what you can do in the draft, but you don't want to play yourself and move around so much that you end up losing the guy you actually wanted to begin with. Cause I don't think any amount of moving down is worth 
Monty not getting the guy he actually wants. So could the Kings take Keegan Murray at four just to be safe that nothing crazy happens below him? I definitely think they could do that. Uh, In fact, I think that's probably what they're going to do, you know, 72 hours out from the draft. We'll see what changes in the next couple of days, but um, it feels like that's where the Kings are leaning and and hopefully they can trade down and get something to do that. Hopefully it it isn't that obvious, you know, because then then you might hear people criticizing how the Kings played their hand in this pre-draft process by making it so obvious, not building up a trade down scenario where, where you convince teams you're taking Ivy and, and really drive value to that fourth pick. If they just go, you know, draft night comes along, fourth pick is up. They draft Keegan Murray and do nothing else. I think they could absolutely do that. And I do, I, I will wonder if they could have maybe played their hand a little bit better if it's so obvious this far out, but I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, you know, too, uh, just on that topic, uh, you know, drafting guys, maybe who the consensus say shouldn't be drafted that high. I mean, obviously, Tony, you're aware, you know, Jalen Brown was the guy that was taken third. And everybody said, you can't take him there. That's way too high for Jalen Brown. Well, it wasn't, (laughs) you know, so, you know, it's like, so the the so-called experts haven't come back to say, yeah, they should have taken Jalen higher than three, somebody. (laughs) I'm curious, Jerry, a little bit, just from your perspective as a GM here, how do the how does the act of a promise work at this point in the draft? I, I, only because I see a scenario where the Kings are very much in love with Keegan Murray, and then Chet Holmgren falls, or Paolo Benchero falls, and Jaden Ivey is the second pick in the draft, and all of a sudden Monty McNair has to pick between the girl he brought to the dance and the girl that wants to go home with him, and and, and I'm curious as to how how that process kind of works and and just how much a player uh, gets promised in in those meetings in those dinners with the uh, with various players and various uh, heads of different departments. Yeah, you know, that, that's tricky. And I, I've always said, I don't think you should ever promise ever because just of that reason, because unless you just don't mind uh, lying. And I mean, it's happened because uh, just for that very reason, yeah, you say, okay, we, you know, we're, we're happy with Murray at four. And like you said, all of a sudden Ivy could uh, slip in there and then say that Chad Holmgren, who you like better, is available. Well, you should take Chet Holmgren. That's what you should do. And and so that's why you shouldn't promise. I mean, you could say, we really like you. And it looks like if you're there, you'll be our pick and then let it go at that. But you can't, uh, and I know teams that have promised and then things, you know, things worked out that way and caused a lot of hard feelings because some of these, these agents obviously don't forget, you know, and then there's cases I always remember, Amari Stoudemire was promised by Phoenix like to be taken ninth, I think it was. He, and he didn't work out for anybody else or go anywhere because that's where he wanted to go. And yeah. of course they kept the, you know, they kept their word, which <laughs> wasn't hard to do. <laughs> you know, you yeah. got a you got a guy who probably should have been a top three or four pick that went nine, you know. So okay, we're gonna get to uh, the other part of this now. Uh, while we're discussing uh, Keegan Murray being the guy for the Kings. Um, every single other team on earth wants to move up to take uh, Jaden Ivey at number four. We got guys like Woj and Mark Stein who are reporting that the Pistons, the Pacers, the Knicks, and the Grizzlies, amongst others, they're all looking to move up to nab the guy. So we've talked about the Pistons with Jeremy Grant a little bit. We've talked about the the Pacers and Malcolm Brogdon a bit. Um, But there's two new teams in the scrum that I'm curious what your opinion's on. What would it take for each of you guys um, uh, for the Knicks or the Grizzlies to move into the number four pick and the Kings to move down? I don't know what the Knicks could do. I, I, I'd say 
thanks, but no thanks before even looking at the roster. Uh, uh, the Grizzlies. Sure. I don't think they're thinking about trading John Morant, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if they want to talk about uh, J- uh, Jackson, <laughs> uh, you know, you'd, you'd have to give that some thought. Uh, if you could get Jackson in their pick, I think the Kings would be foolish not to <laughs> not to jump on that bandwagon. Sure. So the price is that high that it's Jaron Jackson Jr. or or bust really? Yeah, I think it would be. I, I don't know of anybody else that just rings the bell there. Uh, I mean, I think they're a great team. Uh, Desmond Bain you love, but you're not going to – I don't think you would want to move, uh, you know, him for their pick and, and you know, which is what, 27 or 8 or 9 or whatever. Uh, so I, 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 I actually think it just it's Jackson or – or nothing. Jackson or bust. Jackson or bust. Uh... Tony, what about you? Yeah, I would. Jackson would be, was first on my list as soon as I heard this rumor come down that fit with Sabonis is so nice. I mean, he's exactly what you're what you're really looking for in a young player to put next to Sabonis. Um, I think included in that uh, nugget by Stein was that uh, they were looking more towards like a Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark yeah. package, which yeah. is not exciting to me at all. Although I do like. Brandon Clark and Dylan Brooks fits a need in some ways, but he, he really likes to shoot. Like we thought Buddy Heald liked to shoot a lot. Watch, watch Dylan Brooks for a minute. Um, but Memphis has some interesting pieces. Uh, on the Knicks side, the only player that, that I find interesting at all really is RJ Barrett. And uh, do the Knicks trade him? I don't know, but he's younger than, I think he's younger than Keegan Murray. I think he might be around the same age as... Um, Jaden Ivey. So if you're looking for a wing prospect, who's already have three years in the league who can shoot RJ Barrett fills a need and could come in here and start right away. I do like him. So that's the only player on the Knicks that's even remotely interesting. I don't know if I would trade the four for him, but if, if the Knicks want to talk, that's, that's where the conversation has to start. Yeah. I forgot about, I forgot about Barrett. I mean, yeah, I think you'd have to uh, think about him. I mean, to me, I, I wasn't a huge fan when he came out, but he's gotten better shooting wise. He's never probably going to be a great shooter, but he's, he is a scorer. Yeah. And uh, as you said, he'd be a starter day one. So yeah, they, but then again, it's like, I don't know if you're the Knicks for sure. How does that make you better? Are you sure Jay Ivey's going to be better than our tape parents, yeah. you know, really different player but i've seen knicks fans celebrating the fact that they've already got the number four pick and got rid of julius randall and uh and it's one of those things for me that i've always been i mean i've been curious as soon as this rumor came out that's like are we really gonna are we really gonna do this i I, there's a betting site that now has Jaden ivy as the odds-on favorite to be drafted by the knicks which to me whenever las vegas tells me something that's interesting i'm always ready to listen yeah let me ask you something on that will is now why do you think the Nick fans think moving, <laughs> moving Randall uh, for, for Ivy is going to make them better. I, I just, it's like, wait a minute. Insane, right? <laughs> I, I, I kind of remember watching the Knicks in, in Sacramento uh, uh, late in the season and him getting 46 points. And the only reason they won, <laughs> I mean, was, now I, I mean, is he, can he be the best player on a championship team? Well, there's no indicator of that, of course. Yeah. But there's no indicator that Jaden Ivey can be a starting point guard better than quickly, for that matter. Yet, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that I, I don't I don't know how the Julius Randle Demata Sabonis uh, uh, front court would work, but uh, a lot of rebounds. Yeah, it, it, it would be a mess, but it would be a, it would at least be entertaining. 
But uh, it's one of those things that I, I saw a fair number of Knicks fans throwing a parade already for the Jaden Ivey MVP trophy and uh, and World Championship ceremony. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, okay, Julius Randle would be, I mean, for another team in another situation, that would be a great haul for the number four pick. Well, I do think one thing, though, you know, they're talking about Ivy is, is I, I think he's got some flaws. He's got marvelous athletic ability. But, you know, the thing where the Kings are fortunate, in my opinion, is the fact that just about anybody you draft will fit yeah. with uh, Demonis Sabonis. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it really, uh, you know, basically, I, I wouldn't be concerned at all if they went that route uh, because, I, because of Sabonis. And uh, certainly whether it's Keegan Murray or Banchero or Chad Holmgren, I'm, I mean, some, some fits might be better, uh, but I, I just think he's, you know, he's, you know, he's the, 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 the ever duty uh, pocket knife kind of guy. I mean, he, he just simply, if you get in the ball and move, uh, you can, you can, you can work with him. Yeah. Also on Ivy, I thought it was interesting. You know, the King Kings fans, myself included to some degree, but I've seen it the talk, you know, the, the scare, I guess, about drafting Jaden Ivy is that you've already got Fox. You've already got Davion Mitchell. Well, guess what? Memphis, who is a lot more successful than the Kings. They've got John Morant. They've got Desmond Bain. They're not afraid of adding Jaden Ivy. So <laughs> the Kings should probably just get Jaden Ivy if, if they think he's going to be that good <laughs> and not worry who he's going to take uh, the ball's hands out of. Well, and, and how about the, the recent uh, world champions? You know, I mean, uh, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole and, and, you know, I mean, it's like you, the game is different. Uh, yeah. You can play a lot of guards and wings, uh, yeah. uh, rebound, a lot, lot of long rebounds. I mean, you have to have somebody protect the basket rebound in the crowd now and then, but overall, uh, you know, Get, get some basketball players out there that uh, can guard a couple positions and offensively can play a couple positions. And I think uh, so I, that, that part, like I say, that doesn't worry me much either where you've got to have the old, well, he's a one, he's a two, he's a three. He's a, yeah. Well, that ship sailed. Okay. That, it, that ain't coming back in the Harbor for a while. So I guess I'll, I'll roll back to the, the original two then have, have, have either of you guys changed your mind on like, the Pistons for Jeremy, like getting Jeremy Grant in this situation or the Pacers with Brogdon, or I guess Miles Turner's on the block. Now, do we want to reunite Miles Turner and, uh, and Sabonis? Like do have the, has the, the needle moved for you in the last couple of weeks at all for you guys and either of those two teams? And for me, you know, I'm just, uh, those, those just, uh, I mean, I like, I, I think they're all really good players, but I don't know why you would do that. Uh, you, you know who they are. Uh, they've all either hit their peak or even moved past it and financially and all that. So I, I just, I wouldn't do it. Tony, how about you? Has Chris Duarte suddenly piqued your interest? I don't know. I mean, I, I would like the Kings to draft Jaden Ivey. I like Keegan Murray a lot. If they're going to draft Keegan Murray anyways, that's kind of my, my baseline for all this. If you're going to draft Keegan Murray anyways, then yes, I would trade down and get Jeremy Grant for free or yes, I would trade down and get Malcolm Brogdon for free. You've got to know Keegan Murray is going to be there anyways. You have to have decided that Keegan Murray is going to be your pick anyways, and you're not going to trade out for anything else. Uh, under those like specific scenarios, then yeah, I would pick up a good player for free because the Kings don't have cap space. They only have the MLE. You need to get better in some way. So if Monty McNair can maximize what he's getting out of the fourth pick by getting his guy anyways, and then also getting Jeremy Grant, fine. Is it going to like make me super excited? No, but the Kings need talent. 
those guys in theory could be added for free under this scenario. So I'm okay with it. Well, I mean, I, I get that part too. I mean, in my mind, I, I think, you know, it's kind of like I felt about I, I took Ivy if there's some way then of getting a John Collins uh, without, in my mind, without trading Harrison Barnes. I mean, if to me, however you do it, if you can keep Harrison Barnes, you're really a lot better or a chance to be. But if you, if Barnes is in the deal, I'm not sure you've moved needle at all, hardly except uh, yeah. a, a little better fit. You know, I like the Collins is a, a little better fit with Sabonis because he can defensively uh, kind of fills some of those gaps, but all, as a basketball player, I just don't believe he's better. And I know Atlanta doesn't think he's better. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about that, Jerry. Uh, there was another trade that was mentioned as well, as Jerry just said, uh, Shams in the previously discussed report also mentioned the Kings have engaged in talks with the Hawks about John Collins, among a slew of other established productive players, but that those talks didn't involve the number four pick. Uh, in, in your guys' mind, is there a lineup of, Fox, Sabonis, Collins, and whatever rookie to be named later. Enough is that enough to make a to make a run somewhere in the in the Western Conference? Well, I'd sure feel a lot better about it than you know do currently. I mean, I really do. I mean, yeah. if you you know just let's say you took Ivy and you got John Collins and, and you were able to keep Harrison Barnes and Sabonis and De'Aaron, uh, you know, uh, my goodness, I, I I'd like to see that bunch trot out there. I think, uh, I think you, yeah. are you for sure playoff top eight playoff team? No, I wouldn't say that's a sure thing, but I think you'd have a reason to believe you might contend at least. And uh, yeah. now what, what you'd have to give, to, you know, my feeling with it, with, with Collins is I think, I think he's gettable and I don't think it's, I don't think you have to give up first round picks and all that. I really don't. I mean, I think they're trying to unload his contract. Uh, you know, the, that's a team that's really trying to create some room or more likely include him in a deal to get uh, Rudy Gobert. And, and uh, I think that's, they know they need somebody to protect the basket because they got Trey Young, <laughs> who was <laughs> who a defensive uh, liability, you know, but a great talent and player really. But so, so if there's some way for it's Rashawn Holmes and, somebody else or or a couple of second round picks or or a thank you you know <laughs> an iou an iou gift card <laughs> you know what but but i i mean it you know and i don't know if you can do it for that but i i think there's a i i would think that's where you ought to start really tony what about you yeah, I like John Collins. I don't love John Collins, but I, I think he's a great target for the Kings because he's gettable and he's young and he's under contract for a while. And some might see that as a negative because he he maybe he is overpaid, but at least he's a player who the Kings don't need to worry about hitting free agency anytime soon. They can sort of plan around the money that he's owed and know that he'll be here for his prime. I have a hard time seeing the Hawks accepting an offer that isn't Harrison Barnes because Barnes makes a lot of sense for them. They'd, they'd be a better team with Barnes. And I think the Kings might be a better team with John Collins. The reason why I, I would consider making that, even if I think Barnes is a better player, is because Barnes is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And you've got to roll over that contract at some point, or Barnes becomes the overpaid player once the Kings extend him to some huge offer in the summer uh, and extending into his thirties, which he, he may not be the player he is now anymore. So that's, I guess the best argument I can make for actually trading Barnes for Collins is you're getting a younger player 
who's under contract. Maybe you have a better long-term sense for what your core is now if you're Monty McNair and you can start building from there. Whereas right now, I think Harrison Barnes is kind of, uh, I don't know what his future is going to be with the Kings. Either they trade him at the deadline to try and get some value. They overpay him at the end of the year when he's a free agent or worst case scenario, they let him kind of walk away for nothing. So I guess that's, even though it might be a talent loss for the Kings a little bit going from Barnes to Collins, I think there is a, a long-term planning, I guess, pro in the John Collins box for the Kings. Jerry, you, you, you've mentioned Ivy with Collins, but is, is Collins kind of uh, Keegan Murray insurance? He's one of those things like, okay, we can draft Ivy and take and try to get a trade for Collins. Or is this something where, can you see a universe where you draft Murray and you trade for Collins and you, you know, you use those two together? Well, I think you could. I, I think it would probably mean early on, I don't with Keegan to play small forward, which is really what you're talking about now, uh, would be a pretty good adjustment right off. Sure. Uh, not saying he couldn't do it, but I, I, I could see where he might struggle a little more uh, in, in that role than he would as a four. Uh, and I say, I do think that he's got the ability to be a three, four down the road, kind of a Harrison Barnes and, and, and Collins to his credit can play some three, but he's better at four, just like Harrison can play some four, but he's probably better at three. And I think, and I don't know for sure with Keegan exactly how that'll play out, Sure, you know, and I I think nobody can, but, uh, sure you could, uh, if you lost Harrison, you probably, that's what you probably ought to do. Sure. (laughs) And, uh, you know, here again, we just, you know, we just talked about how it, it is more of a positionless thing and it really comes down to defensively as much as anything, uh, which I think would be really a tough, tough uh, adjustment for Murray. What I've seen uh, to go guard small, far smaller forwards right out of the box. Sure. Okay. So we're going to get into uh to uh, some, some predictions here, some soft predictions and some hard predictions here. I want to know what your guys is, uh, favorite potential outcome for the Kings are at this point with, with 72 hours to go before the draft. What is your, you know, when you're sitting there staring at the ceiling, think about how, how could the Kings get this right for once? What is What is the outcome that you see in your mind that, it, that, that favors the Kings the best going into next season? Well, I, I actually think probably the, the, the best way, if they could possibly get Collins for, with, and without using Barnes and uh, go ahead and draft Ivy. I think that gives them the best chance to to jump forward, you know, to make a real jump. I mean, uh, now and and I and I, as much as I I would hate uh, trade and draft choices, I wouldn't say that'd be out of the question if you could uh, draft protected, you know. And I wouldn't say you know let one of those I'd say draft lottery protected. I mean, it, it, sure. it, it for several years and then turns into second round picks. Uh, type thing but uh, something like that I, I think I'd probably consider but uh, if there's any way of, uh, but I sure hate trade draft choices because it's it's always you know it's always comes by, back to bite you in the ass so, you know yeah. as, as the Kings found out with a three for five flip you know <laughs> I mean it just you you just uh, you know it's, it's risky and people always think that oh it'll be, that's down the road well down the road comes and uh, and sometimes and sometimes some awful good players are available late in the draft, and so so as we know, so so that's my thought. Uh, 
you know, I'd feel very comfortable. I like Keegan Murray. I feel very comfortable with the Kings drafted him. I think he'd, he'd he'll fit would fit with Sabonis. Uh, I, I think Ivy would. I think Ivy would fit with Sabonis, so I don't worry about it uh, too much. Uh, and uh, but you need something else, and you certainly need a. I think you need a four that can make a shot and and uh, block a shot. And the Kings, uh, last time I checked, really don't have that much. I'd be very happy if the Kings have Collins and Ivy on this team on draft night. But just to go in a different direction, I'm going to steal something that I think Will said on the Patreon episode last week. And I've loved this idea the more and more I think about it. And that is trading up to two with Oklahoma City. Let Oklahoma City get Jaden Ivey and the Kings take whichever is left over from uh, Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren. Seeing them go aggressively higher in the draft for what would actually be a perfect fit next to Sabonis is that's got to be my ideal outcome. You get a guy with legitimate star potential next to the guy who's already a star on your roster. Um, I love that move. I don't know if the Kings have the assets to pull it off, but that would be my dream scenario. Let me ask you this, Tony. Uh, your feeling with, with Ivy, do you think that with Oklahoma City, he's although I can see where in today's game you could do that, uh, you know, with, with Gilgis Alexander and Giddy, uh, but uh, because Giddy might be better served by being their point guard but guarding threes. Uh, just in my opinion, watching him play, he has a tough time staying in front of quick guys. And so, it, it, you know, it's one of those things that it, it, I can see where it could really work well differently. You know, you, you just have to think in terms, I mean, it's a little bit like Luka Doncic. Uh, you know, they really almost need to find a way to get him guarding small forwards. Yeah, I don't, I don't, OKC is so tough for me. I, we've, we, I feel like this is half an OKC podcast sometimes because we, we talk about them a lot. It's because it's such a different different road they've taken than the Kings when it comes to like rebuilding a roster. Um, I, I don't know what, I don't know what Sam Presti is going to do. I think my, like there has been some talk about OKC moving and I, I can't tell if that's just because people assume that Presti is always going to work the draft board and it's wishful thinking on my part that they actually do drop down to four to take Ivy. Cause I do think Holmgren or Smith would be great there too. And if I was Sam Presti, maybe I would just sit at two and take who's left over. But the, the talk of them potentially moving because this is what Sam Presti does is, is what's giving me some, I guess, some, some wishful thinking that maybe the Kings can get up there at two. But I'm not sure if it's the best move for OKC. I'm really not. Yeah, because, you know, the, that's my only thought is that yeah. if, if you think in terms of OKC, you think, well, what's their least pressing need? is guards. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's the place they've got yeah. two really good players Ever, everywhere else yeah. is, the play, is the place of need. But, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, it, but I, I think the fact that uh, Giddy is, is six, eight and, and all it, it really does. Uh, it, Cause I've been thinking about doing it. It's like at first I think, well, that makes no sense. But the more you think about it, it's like, well, if you really want to get up and down and create some offense, actually it does. Now you might have, you like say, created defensively, you, you know. So anyway, it's a nice thought. It is crazy to talk about a prospect in next year's draft. As free, But I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were talking about how OKC really wants Victor Wembanyama, Will's guy. Yes, sir. So that's all uh <laughs> That, that virus is in my head of like, man, OKC really wants this guy. Maybe the Kings can give him another shot at him next year. So it's, it's OKC. It's assuming OKC is playing the very long game. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but. Jerry, one, one thing I'll commend you for with that OKC idea. And, and, and I felt, 
I felt stupid for a second afterward that I hadn't considered it, but then I went, it's Jerry. He's the smartest man alive. We'll, we'll, we'll give him the credit for coming to it first, but like Shea Gilgis Alexander, six, six. So you could, you could run a lineup of a, of a six, four, uh, six, four Ivy, six, six Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy at, at, at six, eight, and you're not losing any size at all, but you've got three point guards on the floor. Yeah. Three, three creators to yes. some level. I mean, probably, you know, Ivy, the least uh, creative of yeah. the three. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, and if you're not really convinced that the bigs are the answer to, yeah. you know, necessarily, uh, or that you can get them later yeah. differently. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think that I think we might be on to a little something there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, like I say, it, it, to me, it's it's a little bit like the Kings where they're in a positive situation because of some bonus. A lot of guys fit that. Yeah. You know, you could make a case. Yeah, this will fit. This will fit. And a lot of a lot of you teams, you can't do that. Uh, yeah. You know, and in my opinion, you know, like Houston talking about Ivy. Well, I don't think that unless they're going to get rid of Porter Jr., I don't know why they would do that. You know, have they get? You know, they basically decided that he was their guy instead of John Wall a year ago. So, yeah. <laughs> so it just, you know. Yeah. Uh, makes no sense so that three guard lineup that you talked about with okc was it's been a brain worm it's been one of those things that i've thought about a lot just like tony was talking about that like for me like because uh, it led me to uh lou dort who's their small forward he's six three so the mm-hmm. the positionality in okc means less than anything uh my my favorite player on okc pokashevsky he's a seven foot tall point guard they play him everywhere from shooting guard to, to power forward and they don't care because he just wants to throw behind the back passes to every single person that he sees so it's one of those things that, like you, uh, OKC as a young team could run out very strange lineups with no regard to size or height or anything else like that, and be incredibly, incredibly weird in in the best way possible. I love that idea for them. They're not going to do it because I love that idea for them. But I, I, Jerry, I, I when you said that, I, I I walked around for an hour afterward with my dog, just sitting there thinking about that idea, and it's tough because now I can't get it out. <laughs> so okay so let's let's make some sort of final prediction here i'll i'll let you guys off the hook and saying something jerry i we know that you're the the wizard here on this i'll just say predict the top four or five if you want to that way if you get one right we'll say you were right if you get it wrong well hey you got three of the four or two of the five or whatever so predict predict at least the first four or five and where you guys think they end up falling well i think uh I mean, I think number one, uh, Jabari Smith goes to Orlando. Uh, I think number two, Holmgren goes to OKC. I think uh, Banchero goes to Houston. I think uh, I think Keegan Murray's going to go to Sacramento at four. And I think at, at four, and I think Jaden Ivey goes to Detroit at five. Wow! Wow! Go ahead, Tony. Let's let's hear it. Yeah, I have the same order as Jerry. The only thing I flipped in the last like week by reading and listening to people talk about Orlando is is Chet one, Smith two, Bancaro three, Keegan uh, four, and Ivy fifth. And I don't know if if Jerry and I are are too similar on that, then hopefully something crazy happens because it shouldn't be that predictable. <laughs> I I think it'll go. Let me see here. I, I really want to make sure I, I feel this one. I, I think it'll go Jabari Smith one. I think there will be a trade. I think the Kings will get uh, Chet Holmgren. I think it'll go Paolo Banchero. And I think number four will Jaden Ivey. 
but I, I think that, and I think Keegan Murray will go five to Detroit, but I think there will be a trade. I think somebody's moving up to that OKC spot or OKC, regardless, OKC ends up with Jaden Ivey. That's my prediction. Jerry, put it in my head and, and it won't leave. And I'm spitting it out now and sending it out. Looks good. I hope it does. I mean, really, I'd love <laughs> to see some act, action like that. And uh, yeah, certainly, I, I think Sam Presti, uh, he's got enough, you know, ammunition there yeah. that, that, you know, and he's not worried about, you know, having to make the playoffs this year, yeah. I think I, I think that you know I think he probably does feel some little tiny pressure to make some legitimate direction. Uh, so so that's about it, really. So that, that does open up some things, I think. Do you guys have any in your mind any uh, risers or fallers in the draft? I know I have one in particular, but I'm curious what you guys think. Do you have any late people that uh, that will end up jumping up in the draft higher than they should be, or 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 dropping further than than where they're predicted? I think. Uh, the Davis from Wisconsin will fall a little bit. Uh, and I, I kind of, you know, I kind of think Griffin will too. I mean, I see those guys sliding a little bit, uh, you know, just for, and then I, uh, Jeremy Soshin, I think will be a riser. I think uh, as you get closer to trying to, trying to decide who can trot out there and play, I think he moves up. I hope I'm not stealing yours, Will, but I'm going to flip the kind of question mark guys. I think Shaden Sharp has been, a top five, six guy, most of the pre-draft process. Yep. But I think Dyson Daniels, another sort of uh, question mark guy is just more interesting. He's better. He's he's certainly interviewing better. I don't know if you've seen the Shaden Sharp pre-draft interviews. They haven't been great. Don't want to put a whole lot of stock into that stuff anyways, but, and may, who knows, maybe he's taking his stock to go to somewhere that he that he really likes. It could be that too. But I, I do love what I've seen from, from Dyson Daniels and uh, I do think Shaden Sharp is, is probably going to drop a little bit lower than we thought in the pre-draft process. Yeah, that's that was that's absolutely mine. That's one that I've I've I felt that way for a little while. That like, and this was kind of before all those interviews started getting out. He's interviewed pr- pretty pretty horribly. Like, not not. I mean, he mentioned some things about the Kings. Where Jerry, I don't know if you saw his interview where somebody asked him about the Kings, and he he basically you you could see it in his eyes. He couldn't name a player on the Kings. He was just like. He was just riffing, yeah. you know, he might've, he might as well just doing scat music because it was just, he, he was just like, uh, yeah, it's not really much different and I could play with them. <laughs> I'm a little that razzle dazzle. <laughs> like, so yeah. it was just, he was, um, so I, I, I kind of think he might drop as low as 10 or 12 mm-hmm. just because people, he, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't worked out all that well. He isn't answering questions very well. There's just enough there that it's kind of like, uh, he, if, if there's going to be a knife that falls, it will be a sharp knife at that. Is, is, there a, is there a guy that either one of you see that you just think might, you know, he's not going to go high in the draft, but might just turn out to be a star. You know, one of those guys that, you, you know, in the back of your mind, you say, boy, this, because there always is one, you know, there's always a later pick that turns out to be way better than anybody has projected. And I wonder if there's somebody that you've kind of sorted out along those lines. How, how high is not high? Because uh, I've got a guy, but he's kind of he's kind of in the top 13 or 14. Is that too low? Is that too high? No, my, my guy's Jalen Duran. No. I, I, I really think Jalen Duran is a guy that when we look back on it, he could be a guy that's a top five guy. Or one of those guys that, you know, where you look back and go, why did he end up at 12? And I think he maybe not the best player in the draft, mm-hmm. but maybe a top two. I think he could be a defensive player of the year type guy. And he's he's always been my guy, but that's the guy that I would pick, Jerry, for sure. Yeah, he's kind of yeah, he's got a lot of kind of bam out of bio kind of uh, yeah look to him, you know. Uh, 
Um, and he's thick. He's Dwight Howard thick already. And it's one of those things like he, he, he can, he can make it. He's my guy. Yeah. Mine would be like, cause he fits every team seems to be looking for one of their bigs to be able to shoot from outside. And I look at a guy and I'm, I'm kind of stealing from Bryant and a couple of other draft experts at the Kings Herald, but the Tari Eason, there's a lot to like there because yeah. he can rebound and he can shoot it in theory and he can really defend. Uh, and he's, he, so that's, he just is, he is the big that every team wants next to their interior big. I, I feel like Eason is a guy that would fit great with Sabonis here, although many bigs would, but um, if he blows up somewhere just by virtue of, of being the perfect fit for almost every team's second big, uh, that would be my, my choice. You know, a guy I think is going to really be be taken late probably in the first round, I think. But uh, And I know he doesn't fit in today's game per se, although to me is Williams from Duke. You know, Mac Williams or, or Mark Williams, excuse me. Mark Williams. Mark yeah. Williams. I, I, I think somebody's going to get a, a, you know, maybe the next Rudy Gobert. I mean, the, the guy is, yeah. is big, he's long, he's athletic, and he's just starting to learn how to play basketball. And I always remember – Rudy Gobert working out, coming out when he came out in the draft, when I think it was 27. He, you know, he just didn't know how to play basketball very well at that time. But you saw the, you know, boy, if he works, if he does this, if he, this guy could be good. And of course he is. <laughs> and uh, I think Williams is more athletic at the same stage. So it's just, he's very intriguing, you know, that, you know, after watching, you know, Boston and, and Golden State and Williams in that series, uh, what he could do to, to kind yeah. of change a game a little bit. You know, I think there may be a little bit of an uptick in value of those guys. My, uh, my bias with, with Williams and Duke is I just, my brain can't get Roy Hibbert out of my mind when I see him, just something about the way <laughs> he looks, just his stance. Yeah. And like, I have ne- Roy Hibbert's one of my least favorite players of all time. Now Williams, yeah. is, I think Williams is faster, more athletic than Roy Hibbert was. But every time I see him, I'm like, Oh God! I see. All I see is I have like PTSD flashbacks to Roy Hibber in, uh, in Indiana, and I I, like, yeah. I recoil from him a little bit, and I feel bad yeah. about that because I, I do like him as a player, but I can't get Roy Hibbert ahead. Yeah, that would be. Well, I hope he's Rudy Gobert. <laughs> well, I, I probably see he's going to be somewhere between there, probably, and maybe <laughs> you know, maybe not, not even. But it, yeah, at somewhere, at somewhere down there, you take him. I guess is yes. what I'm saying, and then, <laughs> and then. You either come out ahead or behind, you know. Roy Hibbert had a run too. He was a yeah, yeah star, he, did. So. he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah the game the game changed yes. too soon for him. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. uh, Roy Hibbert in the eighties would have had a, a longer career, yeah. put it yes, that way. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, Roy was one of those guys that. Uh, but that's one thing Williams can run. Yeah. And uh, or Roy, I mean, he was one of those guys that in you know time he's heading down the court one way, they're going the other. And uh, he's always he's always trying to catch up. And he wasn't going to catch up. <laughs> and he wasn't going to no. catch up. <laughs> no. no, I used to write previews about him. And every time we'd play Indiana, I'd make fun of him saying he was the slowest man on earth. And I would just like riff on how how slow and terrible he was. Very I feel slow. bad about it. But him and Andrew Bynum, the league just left them behind. Yeah, yeah just yeah. ran away. Yep. Uh, I've got one more, Jerry. And okay. I was looking him up because I wanted his name right. Uh, Trevion Williams. He's the center for Purdue. Mm-hmm. and uh he's six nine he's he's got like a six four or he's got a seven four wingspan but he's he's a bit nemius cata where he's he's an incredible passer for his size he's a bit more offensively gifted than than cata is but he's just he's just got an amazing you know touch to his passes 
and he's a good low post score, but he's one of those guys that I think he's, he's supposed to go in the second round, but he's one of those guys that it's like, he's got a little bit of like Jokic at 42 in him that like mm-hmm. I, I could see he's not nearly as bulky, but he, he is one of those guys that if I'm going to make a prediction that five years from now, I can be like, Tony, go pull that up. He's the guy that I'll, I'll say Trevion Williams is the guy that I would, I would mark as my, as my uh, dark horse superstar candidate. Okay. So I want to get real quick only because uh, we, we've got a little bit of time here. We're not going to do uh, an all things Kings instead. Of, I'm going to force you guys to talk about a certain subject only because it's the only thing we want to talk about, right? This close to the draft. Uh, the Warriors won a championship uh, last week and uh, Mike Brown is coming over to the Sacramento Kings as a champion. And so uh, I figured I'd get your guys' thoughts. The, uh, the parade is in San Francisco today. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the Warriors uh, championship run on, on that final series? Any, any thoughts you have before we close out the season officially and move on to next season? Well, I really, really did uh, enjoy the series. Uh, I thought the Warriors would, would win, but I thought it would take seven. It took six. I thought the thing that stuck out to me, if I'm trying to simplify things, is that the Warriors were just better offensively. You know, they're both good defensive teams, but, uh, but the Warriors were just a better offensive team. And I thought the Celtics, as much as I like Marcus Smart, just don't have enough creativity uh, to break down good defense in the half court. And, uh, and really it forced Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to try to do more with the ball than they needed to be doing. And, uh, and, and so, you know, <laughs> it was amazing just watching the series, how many times you saw Celtic, you know, going to spin dribble into three guys and then act surprised when they got picked, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, like, well, you know, the first 10 times, I know it surprised you, but really after that, you probably ought to kind of, kind of predict a little bit, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I just think there was a case of both teams, very good defensive team, but it shows you, you know, the differences of the Warriors just simply could go get baskets better and easier. And I think the tougher matchups are smaller, quicker and. uh, you know, when you can bring a guy like Poole off the bench, that's uh, that's different than bringing White off the bench. You know, yeah, it just is. <laughs> and uh, so, so, but a very interesting series. And, and I was really, really happy for Curry to be truthful. I, I've always said I, I really think the thing that strikes me about the Golden State Warriors and their championships and all, to me, it's it's two pronged. It's Steve Curry or Steve Kerr and Stephen Curry. <laughs> I mean, sure. it, it all flows from them. I mean, they're, you know, humble, smart coach, a humble, smart superstar, and and the, and the rest have to get in line. You know, they just yeah. do. And I mean, and they can even tolerate, you know, the Draymond Green, whatever that goes with his abilities, which he's a hell of a player. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's probably, that's more than a simplification, but uh, best team won. That's bottom line. Yeah. Absolutely. Tony, what about you? Yeah, my takeaway from the finals this year, and I got this feeling, you know, even before the series started, just looking at the two teams that were in the finals, but I couldn't help, and this might sound crazy considering where the Kings are at right now, but you look at the Celtics and you look at the Warriors, and they really didn't do anything that the Kings couldn't do, meaning both teams were drafted with not the not the most top picks in some cases, Uh, The market size for both teams didn't really impact who was on the roster, like on the fringes, maybe being in Boston helped get Horford or, or, you know, players on the fringes, but the core guys for both teams 
were drafted, uh, home developed, even you look at Jordan Poole, another guy that the Warriors got later in the draft, which again, for the first time in a long time, there wasn't a team in the finals that I had to look at and say, well, the Kings can never do that. The Kings can never get LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Kings can never uh, get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This was not that. This was two teams that built their roster, their, their organization in a way that anyone, if they are doing it right, can replicate. So, uh, it gave, you know, I know the Kings are far away, but it did give me some hope that, yes, the NBA is now a league, or at least for one year was a league that uh, good in-house building can win, and it's not all stars and market size and super teams you can actually win this building the right way you know tony that's a great point I, and i just said it. it was that way last year as well yeah it was you know really so that to me that is very encouraging that uh you know basically you don't you know uh, there are different ways of getting it done but yep. the market size just uh, draft well if you can and trade well when you need to mm -hmm. free agents yeah. when required type thing and uh yeah. You know, so it's not a secret, but uh, but those are great points, though. Yeah, I, for me, for me, the biggest thing is I think this this Warriors championship was earned. Not that not that all championships aren't earned in some way, but they didn't go out and get Kevin Durant and just overload somebody with superstars. You know, uh, Draymond Green has kind of struggled in that series. Clay Thompson hasn't. You know, he's not quite himself anymore. He's no. he's still recovering. If he'll ever come back fully from that injury. They had to lean on guys like uh, Gary Payton. They had to lean on guys like Jordan Poole. You know, these are the, Steph Curry was the singular star on that team, and not that the other players weren't incredible, but this this felt like a, a like a, much more like the Bucks last season, where you're like, oh, good for them. I'm glad that they did this one. Like the the Warriors weren't a 73 win team. They were, you know, they were the third seed. They only won 53 games this year. Like. This is something that they struggled with. They, they fought the entire playoffs through and you saw them at no point did they look infallible. And for me, as somebody who, who enjoys watching sports from a perspective, like I'd like to see the underdog there, the Warriors weren't underdogs necessarily, but they were, there was enough in doubt that I didn't think the whole time through, Oh, the Warriors are going to win a championship this year. They were kind of my third or fourth or fifth choice even. And, and the fact that they were able to go all the way through and play a Boston team that, that had the number one rated defense in the league and, and come out in six games. It was one of those things like I was happy that if this is the capstone for the Warriors, like, I, I don't see them winning another one. I don't see them going on another like dynasty run. This isn't like the, the second three-peat of, uh, of Jordan's Bulls. I think this, is, this could be the last time we see them in the finals. Or, or the last time they win one because of their age and whatnot. But it was one of those things that, like, I was happy to see that, like, I never once thought, like, gosh, this is just – they're just getting railroaded. The other team is just – just can't keep up talent-wise. It, it was a close finals. It was one where one team was just younger and a lot more inexperienced and have a little bit more work to do, and, and the Warriors were just the better team, but not the better team by so much that it was boring to watch. I was, I was, I was happy for the Warriors for the most part. Yeah, you know, too, the other thing that struck me, I, I was so happy to see, uh, you know, Curry clearly now. I mean, for people, I don't know why he's never gotten credit for being one of the all-time greats. He clearly is one of the all-time yeah. greats. And uh, I think that's been put to rest. I, you know, I don't get into the one through ten ratings, whatever. He's clearly one of the all-time greats to ever play basketball. And and certainly in this series for the Warriors, uh he was the guy that wasn't even debatable by any stretch of imagination. I mean, if there was a 
question it might yeah. be Wiggins who was terrific as well uh but but uh so I was glad to see that and and I'm like you I think it's you know probably Curry knows as well as anybody this could be the last roundup I'm not yeah. saying they can't because they've got some nice young players there yeah. that didn't even even play but uh yeah I, I just think it's a you know it's a real tradition I was reading the thing about Curry today where where a guy was pointing out, I said that Curry probably is the greatest player in the history of the league to be just an average player for so long. <laughs> sure. yeah. You know, it's about his, you know, and that's a great, and I've always thought that, I mean, I think the other one was Steve Nash. It was, yeah. you know, to be three or four years into your career before anybody thought you were particularly yeah. special, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I mean, much less an all time great. And so that, that's a credit to, to him. That's a credit to him, his work ethic. And I always remember him at Davidson. You know, people, that's one of the reasons he slipped as far as he did is people said, well, he's little, he, he, he can't, he didn't play point guard at Davidson, yeah. which he didn't, uh, which always also goes to show that didn't mean he couldn't. He just didn't. <laughs> they needed him to score. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, class young man and, and great to, you know, it's just great to see him finally, uh, to my mind, getting treated like he should have been treated for a long time. Tony, why don't we roll over to you for our uh, Patreon question of the day? Thanks, Will. Uh, also, real quick, congrats, Nemanja Bielitsa. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yes. 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 <laughs> Got it. Um, all right. Patreon question of the week. On every episode of this podcast, we ask one question from our King's Herald patrons. Uh, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash King's Herald. You can submit questions there. You can submit questions to Will or I on Twitter. You can do it on uh, the podcast post on the King's Herald. And all of the questions will get asked eventually if you don't hear it on this podcast. Um, once a month, we do a Patreon Q&A where we ask all the leftover questions. So um, keep your ears out for that. If you submitted a question and didn't hear it on the main show, it was probably answered on the Patreon show. This, uh, the question for this week's podcast, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Jerry, comes from the Elemist on Twitter. And he asks, are there any random slash favorite players Jerry likes that could realistically be drafted by the Kings or by the Kings in the second round? I know you mentioned uh, Williams from Duke. Is there any deep prospects or anyone else that hasn't been mentioned that, that you like as a second round pick? Mm, you know, it's put me on the spot. I really, I can't say that I, I have anybody in mind there. I really haven't uh, looked into that. Uh, and it's a shame because there's always good players down there. I don't know if the, uh, I don't think it's the Terry from Arizona. Oh, Dale and Terry. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think he's a second. I think he's a draftable player, and I, and I enjoyed watching him. Now, I, you know, just how good is he? I, I, he'd be a guy that I think the Kings ought to look at pretty good uh, there. Uh, I don't know, even know if the colloquial—I can't pronounce his name—the big guy, uh, Christian Coloco. Yeah, I really, I really like him potentially, and I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if he stayed in the draft. I think he did, uh, but I'd so, certainly, I would certainly be excited. Uh, to, to get him in the draft. I wouldn't say he's a need or anything because of the big, but I think he's a kind of the big, if you could get the second round, you'd really want to take a look. Uh, so those are, so I'm probably the, the least 
of, of the three guys here talking today, I'm the least prepared for the second round. And, and uh, so I apologize, but I don't want to apologize. I had no intention. Of it, so I won't apologize, but uh, you, you bless your heart. You get better information about everybody than me on this. Will, do you have a second round crush? Yeah. I already mentioned Trevion Williams, uh, who may or may not uh, be there. Uh, is Jake LaRavia, is he, uh, or uh, LaRavia, is he, is he projected to go second round? Cause that's my, yeah, I believe so. Okay. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll put him then. Uh, he's out of Wake Forest. He's a small forward. He, he does a lot of everything. He's just one of those guys that when I watch him, I've seen other people share. I'm like, Oh, this is the guy to get. And, and I've watched enough of him to be like, yeah, okay. This is the guy to get like, I'm, uh, I, I kind of, I I'll let other people tell me, especially late in the second round who who they think at this point is I, i'm not going to go through 60 prospects i'm not going to go through 120 prospects anymore i'm too tired i'm too old yeah <laughs> like i try <laughs> is johnny juzang is he uh would he be a second round guy or would he be a first from ucla i thought i think he was a second round guy but i haven't seen him on any i think he, yeah i think yeah i haven't seen him on any list and i mean it seems like to me he ought to be a, a draftable player uh you know i realize you know, for whatever reason, I mean, he's the best player on an awfully good team for a couple of years after he transferred. So, yeah, you know, just a, to one of those guys that probably better than some of the guys that will be taken in the first round, probably. <laughs> Tony, what about you? I know you've got somebody. Um, I'm not going to pretend I'm some sort of draft expert either. This is not the podcast for that. Although I do like uh, weird players in the second round. That's why I like Nemias Cato last year. You draft for weird and that's my best quality for second round picks. <laughs> draft for weird so this year my weird player of the second round is david roddy he's a uh, kind of like a stocky six six power forward guard kind of like a draymond green type who can really shoot it and also he's got some intangibles uh he's a very fiery player good defender uh probably a second round pick at this stage because he's not very athletic he's like i said he's he's like a, a stocky built sort of pj tucker-esque uh guard who's who's playing power forward because he's a in a college uh, program that doesn't have big players. So he's one of those weird fit guys that I'm, I'm always going to gravitate towards in the second round. So there's your, there's your David Roddy selection in the second round. He's a, he's the guy that's a six, six with a seven foot wingspan who uh, is like 270 pounds or 265 pounds or something like that. Yeah. He's a big old tank, big yeah. old tank guard forward who can, who can <laughs> shoot really well. I don't know if he, he'll, if he'll be athletic enough to get that shot off, but he's weird. So there you go. There you go. Okay, so Jerry, let's roll over to you for our uh, Reynolds wrap-up. Well, the my wrap-up today, I just want a, a huge shout-out to Sports Junkie. I spent about an hour today reading all of his stuff. And, and I want to tell you, for me to do that, that that take, I mean, that's really rare. And, and with all the great writers, but this, this, this went above and beyond the call of duty. And I, I, I didn't realize he's been doing this for years, but for me, it's my first foray into his work on the draft and all the different charts and everything and i gotta tell you i learned more i probably learned more about the draft today uh and it probably doesn't change much but i because we all once but it's one of those things where you kind of look for information that's that satisfies your opinion uh, so often but uh, i just thought he did a marvelous job I, i'm just amazed and and i really think it's one of those things that's so well done uh, you know if the the king's front office they really ought to ought to read it i mean there's information they can use there and uh and i know it's uh could be very helpful especially uh you know as far as legitimizing some things so uh 
that, that's pretty much it, boy. Just uh, I tell you what, sports junkie, you did you did a good job. You got the old man to sit in front of his iPad and, <laughs> and uh, for, for well over an hour and just enthralled. And I don't get enthralled much, so. <laughs> Yeah, definitely co-sign that. Uh, the Kings Herald has a lot of talent, and I'm not talking about myself. Uh, definitely, you know, Sports Junkies, one of them, does it every year and does an awesome job. One of my favorite things that that we put out. So, so thanks to him again for doing that um, this year, like he does every other year. Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll co-sign this as well by saying, uh, Chris, uh, it's 118 pages, buddy, and I don't know how how you got the time to do all this <laughs> over the last year, but I'm like 65 pages through, and I still haven't like. Uh, like at some point I'm going to stop scrolling. Like I figure I'll read this for a second. And it's, 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 it's been a couple hours today where I've spent reading it and I'm, I'm not done with it yet, but congratulations. This is fantastic. And uh, please, please don't ever stop doing this because this is the one thing every year that makes me feel smarter than I am. I feel like I got the insider track. Like somebody sent me something like, like he's, he's the deep throat of, of, of the King's Herald where it's like, Hey, I got the goods on all these guys. And now I know, now I know the goods. So Chris, congratulations on this, man. It's great. Okay. Well, yeah, he actually, to be honest, it just worked opposite with me. Will he made me feel dumber? You know, I, <laughs> I, I felt kind of, kind of, felt kind of ashamed of myself after reading all his hard work. Uh, I'm just gonna next person I see that I can talk about basketball with. I'm gonna be like, oh, did you know that uh, 21 points per 40? Uh, you know, I, I'll be able to cite, cite some stats here that I'm like, I didn't know today. I didn't care to know today, but now I know. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of different models that Chris runs through. And uh, now I've memorized all of them and I'm going to sound really, really smart next week to, to nobody at all who cares. Nice. And the last thing I do have to apologize for, to, to Will, by the way, for, for, oh. I noticed I was reading some comments that I had a, had cast aspersions on his shooting skills and I, and uh, I didn't, I didn't know the legendary background and I apologize for my uh, lack of knowledge in all things Will Griffith though. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> Jay, that was one of the funnier texts I've ever gotten from you too. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> like, wow. I, yeah. I was going to say, Holy cow. I've got it you know, be a little more respectful. Than, than, than. <laughs> uh, Sacramento State and Tremiro, uh Nets have never been the same. Uh, you know, once oh. I retired from the game, they, 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 they last a lot longer now. When you can shoot it, buddy, you can shoot it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I always said that was my motto. If it feels like leather, I'm shooting it. That's exactly right. I, I, I tell my girlfriend all the time, every time I drive by a basketball court and I see people shooting outside, I tell her, I'm the best shooter in that gym. Like, I'm the best shooter on that court if I step out there today. <laughs> I haven't taken a shot in six months, but I know it. Deep down in my heart, I got one game left in me where I'm going for 50. It's in there. It's in there. Yeah, that's exactly. So for the three greatest basketball players you've ever listened to talk to a podcast at the same time, I'd like to thank you uh, for listening to another episode of the Kings Herald Show. Uh, three Hall of Famers here and uh, Tony, Jerry, and myself. Uh, Jerry only Jerry's the only one with a trophy or any official designation here, but I'm I'm marking my own. Yeah, here. It, it's coming. Thanks, coming. It's coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll get there eventually. Tony's is in the mail. Mine's a little bit further behind. But uh, but I want to thank you for uh, for listening to another uh, to another episode of the Kings Herald Show. Uh, obviously, the pod's in three days. So uh, next time uh, next time we talk, we're gonna have a, a lot to talk about. We'll have a Mike Brown press conference. We'll have uh, we'll have a brand new. Uh, star of some sort in, in sacramento that we can uh, that we can throw all of our hopes and dreams onto and uh until we uh, we look forward to it and we'll see you then thanks so much for listening <laughs>